Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Nick B, Dylan, Matt, William, Awesome Possum Blossom, Brandon, Scott, Tristan, Kate, Sasha, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, and Chris. And Chris and all the patrons want you to know that you are loved, you are listened to, and you are a valuable member of this awesome community. And if you want to hang out with the community, please join the Facebook group. It's where we all hang out daily. There's like 1,500 people there hanging out, talking all day. It's amazing, guys. Join it. It's awesome. And if you want to catch up with the other Patreon shoutouts as well as the legendary Patreonicals, stay tuned at the end of the episode. I just built it up, Mikey. It's legendary now, so you, you better deliver. Oh, God. <laughs> Paige, do you know what they call it when um, ants, when the queen orders them to like go off and kill themselves for the hive? No. Insecticide. <laughs> I love you so much, Mikey. <laughs> Thank you for your horror virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd, which means I don't like watching scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, the listeners made us watch Let the Right One In. Which I have yet to do in my life. <laughs> Mikey, out of the gate, you're bringing the jokes, and I love it. No, no, no. He let the right one in, and then he climbed out the back window. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can fly. Bye. <laughs> I left a bloody body in the bathroom that you're going to get blamed for. Bye. Bye. That's how you ghost somebody officially. You ghost them, and they go to prison. <laughs> and you frame them for murder. I related a lot to this movie because me and this character have like had a weird thing with their neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and honestly if you want to hear that chronicled there's like a, a good long string of laugh lines six months ago <laughs> that chronicle his relationship with his neighbor <laughs> i didn't know that you kept those in until like people started commenting on the facebook group about <laughs> that's why you should listen to the podcast i like surprises <laughs> I have a weird thing going on with my neighbor where because of COVID, we're both now home all the time. And she is a Jehovah's Witness and tried to convert me without realizing that I have a podcast about cults and have done extensive Bible research. And she was like, yeah, you know, it seems like the end of the world, huh? And I was like, you mean Revelation that was written in 300 AD by the emperor? And she was just like, okay, uh, bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So let's get back on track. Have you guys seen this movie before? So this came out when I was in film school. Yeah. Uh, and it was a huge deal. So I saw it back then, but hadn't seen it since. I remembered liking it, but not like loving it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, no, it's absolutely. It's one of those movies that I'm like, this... This is a good movie. It's well made. It's shot beautifully. Yeah, it really is. It didn't grab me super hard. So while I recognize that it is a fantastically mm. done movie, it's just not one of my personal go-tos. I honestly feel like it is a very well done movie. Yeah. I hope to never watch it again, but not because it was scary. I sort of feel like this movie, like I do about the movie The Shining, they're both mm. great, great movies. They're masterpieces of cinematography and they're great. Fine. I've seen it once. I don't need to see it again. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I... I'm a Shining fan, so I've watched it multiples, but I think everyone has maybe like one or two of those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> where where they're like this is painful and I will still sit through it you know like me and I forced you guys to watch Midsummer it's fine Oof, uh, yeah. this is just not it's not my Midsummer yeah no it's not although it takes place in a very similar location at a very similar time at the beginning in, in very similar yeah. woods yes. yeah 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 <laughs> I do understand why people love this movie like if you love yeah. this movie 
I get it. I have issues with the pacing because it's very, very slow. Yeah. And not much happens, but it's still like two and a half hours long. It's probably closer to two hours. I did appreciate that it wasn't really scary. And honestly, I'll say this. As someone who's super dyslexic, the slow pace helps with the reading of the, the, the subtitles because no one's saying much for most of the movie. It's all like understated like glances and stuff like that. Which, as someone who's a slow reader, I'd appreciate. Yeah, I, I think my also really kind of struggle with the pacing of this movie because I don't think it needs to be that slow. No, it, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It could be a fun, action-packed movie. I don't think they wanted it to be that. Yeah, I think they wanted it to be this, and what they've created is good. I also saw the movie when it came out. Yeah, yeah y'all forgot me. <laughs> Mikey entering the conversation three minutes late. I love it. I was, I was just going to add to what Todd said, but sure. <laughs> uh, y'all have been doing that for like five minutes. That's fine. <laughs> I saw when it came out like you, Paige, because there's a lot of buzz, and it was like the thing to watch that year Yeah, if you're in the horror realm. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, okay. I thought it was decent, but I, I wasn't scary, and it was interesting, but... I didn't like it. I haven't watched it since then. Yeah. Well, and like what Todd said about the pacing, I think that's part of why it's not scary. Where I think it has the pacing of like the shining where it's trying to build that dread and really build up scary, like a a tense, scary atmosphere. Oh, you think? I think that's what it's trying to do. Oh, I didn't think. Okay, that's fair. And you may be right. I didn't feel like they were even trying to do that because if they were trying, they missed the mark. Yes, that's what I think happened. I'm with you, Todd. I don't think they were. I didn't think they were trying. But I mean, Paige, I honestly have no idea if you're right or if I'm right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only reason I think that is, is because that's the only way I I personally would feel like I would classify this as a horror movie. I mean, I honestly feel like if what we do in the shadows is a horror movie, then this is a horror movie because it has vampiric elements. But yeah, I don't think what we do in the shadows is a horror movie either. (laughs) Personally, like I know we did. I know we did it on this show. Personally, I would call that straightforward a comedy. Yeah. And I definitely think it is heavy comedy light horror. This is more heavy drama light horror. Does that make sense? I don't know. I think the horror of whatever godforsaken Hunger Games middle school they were in was pretty scary. That is pretty scary. (laughs) And I wondered if I couldn't decide if they were trying to build dread to make it truly a horror movie and then and it just didn't work because we know she's a vampire the whole time. Yeah. Or if they were trying to slow the pace down for us to kind of sit in his loneliness. And I think that could very well be it as well. Yeah. But I struggled with the pacing of this movie as well. I feel like you could have had a, a quiet movie because i think that's what it is it's like a small quiet movie but it could be 20 minutes shorter easily yeah i agree completely but anyway we should probably just get into the movie so we open on the credits which are for the first like three minutes of the credits completely silent yeah which i think is interesting it's one of the only times we've seen that on the show yeah and it's really pulling you into what is like the feel of the movie yeah very much so we open from the credits on Oscar, our main character, yeah, essentially talking to his window, kind of like a mirror, and he's saying, squeal like a pig. And the first time I saw this, and then again, because I forgot about it in the first one, I wondered if he was referencing the movie Deliverance. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. And we find out later he's rehearsing retorts to things that have been said to him. So like, yeah, we find out that his bullies call him a pig. And so that's why he's. Yeah. The school Mikey has been picking on Oscar. Right. And he's rehearsing what he's going to say to him. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 
(laughs) I mean, we cut to a little girl in the back of a taxi. So she's kind of like humming to herself and sitting as the taxi pulls up outside of the building, Oscar's building, and she gets out along with an adult who I think is pretending to be her father, but is actually just her familiar. Yeah, but that's the role that he's playing in these sort of like, you know, play acting that they're doing. Like he's the dad, she's the daughter, even though we come to find out she is very much the one in control. Yeah. I feel like this movie is the worst portrayal of a familiar in all of vampire cinema, maybe. Really? Before I read the fun facts, I wondered if she had met him when he was a child like Oscar. That's what I thought. And the end of the movie starts the cycle over. So he's been with her the whole time. So I wondered if that's what it was. And that was kind of his last act for her. Yeah. And that's kind of what she saw in Oscar when they first get there is his, you know, kind of threatening the window, like squeal like a pig. And she's like, he could kill people. Oh, yeah. He's totally down to kill people for me. I mean, he would have killed somebody if she wasn't involved at some point. True. No, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, she's going to take advantage of that. Oh, she yeah. Sees I'm just that saying in him. Yeah. The seeds are there. I think I also think we should say this up front. I don't think we should be calling her she. Because she or the vampire says many times in this that it's not a girl. Yes. And without getting too bogged down in fun facts, because if I talk about it now, it's all we're going to talk about for the rest of the damn movie. (laughs) Fair enough. Yes. The vampire establishes that they are not a girl. Now, upon viewing, I initially thought that she meant I'm not a girl. I'm a vampire. Basically, like I'm not human like you. Yeah, and I don't. we're not there yet, but I think we find out that that's not what the case is. That is not what the case is. Yeah. And the movie doesn't clarify that for you. You have to go digging around or read the book that this was based on to find out what really happened. And I hope one of us did. One of me did. So to not go way too deep on this movie, one of the reasons I sort of liked it is because it sort of felt like a trans allegory, like someone who is a trans person living a life that is true to themselves. And this is me talking about something I really don't know anything about, so please forgive my white ignorance, but it just felt like someone who was coming out as a trans person, society can sort of shun them and they could feel very lonely, if that makes any sense. It does. I think the one thing I struggle with in that is that that would make the one trans allegory character a straight up murderer. And and that's a little rough for me. I mean, yeah, that's fair. And that's a good point, Paige. I, I just feel like yeah. because in this, the vampire is sort of it's other yeah society has othered that character right right so that's sort of why i felt that way and i could be way off so forgive me if i am but that's one of the reasons i like this movie because it sort of hit that for me i feel like dealing with that could be very rough for someone's life believe it or not you are not wrong <laughs> Okay. Like, do you, do you want me to spoil it for? I mean, it will derail the rest of the movie. Or do you want to wait? <laughs> uh, how about this? How about we unlock this fun fact when we get to it in the movie? Because okay. I do feel like the movie proves it to us at one specific point. So let's sort of honor that. It does. Okay. So let's go through yes. it and then we'll get to it when we get to it. So the boy, Oscar, that we've seen kind of lays down in bed, exhausted by all of his yelling. And <laughs> next door where the vampire and their familiar live, yeah. they're putting cardboard up on the windows. Yeah. Yeah. As they're doing that, the taxi driver who has just dropped them off is peeing outside. You know, like you do. 
Yeah, like you do. The next day, we cut to Oscar's class, like his school. Yeah. And the police are there doing like a dare presentation, essentially. <laughs> but it's about murder. It's about murder and arson. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. It's like a dare presentation for someone like who had me in their class. Yeah. That's because, you know, and you know why they're doing that, right? Because like 19 students at that school have already murdered people. They're like, we've really got to cut down murder from the people who go to this school. Yeah. Literally, these are the most murderous children in like any movie. Uh, <laughs> Like the Lost Boys kids are less murderous than these people. But Children like, of the yeah. corn, less murder. <laughs> less murder. Uh, but what the reason I think it's like a dare thing is because they, they talk about murder, foul play. And then he's like, who knows about drugs? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, that's what this is. Um, but this is the first indication we get that Oscar reads a lot about murder because he answers the question. Yeah, he's super into true crime. They're like, how do you think we knew that the body was dead before the fire was started? And Oscar, who is clearly like 12, raises his yeah. hand and is like, oh, because you didn't find smoke in the lungs? And everyone's yep. like, how did you know that? You're 12. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I was like, yes, Oscar is my people. <laughs> See, my allegory that I found in this movie was Oscar was going to become a murderer. I think so, too. It would have been cooler if it leaned in it this way. If like he showed other childhood signs that we've talked about before, like killing yes. animals and something. Yeah, and it was yeah. like a predator recognizes a predator and that's how they link up. Yeah. And to me, that would have been cool. Like a Dexter that kills and then gives the blood to the vampire because they're like teammates. I think that's the next movie. Like, does that make sense? Where like, I yeah. feel like oh, the end of this movie sets that up for the future. You think it's the nexter? The nexter. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'll say this, Mikey. I feel like that premise would make a great TV show. Like a Dexter who was a familiar for a vampire and they together plan to murder bad people so that the vampire can drink blood but not hurt innocents. Does that make sense? I that I mean, that sounds awesome somebody call the wb because we're making this on a budget we're not gonna do it on a wb oh my god it's got to be hbo because i want to see vampire sex Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so we cut out of the classroom and he's walking through kind of the courtyard at school and kids are just actively beating the shit out of each other and <laughs> the kids who bully him basically come up to him and start bullying him and calling him a pig and this at this point we kind of understand like this is what the knife was for yeah this is what he was practicing for he's gonna try and stab this kid like he's for lack of a better description he would be a future school shooter because he's being bullied yeah that's kind of where he's at he doesn't really have any other friends and he's just tortured all day at school and, and i don't even think it was him like you look in the background this school looks like the recess was like the prison yard yeah i mean if you look in the background there's two different fights going on of kids yeah. just like literally punching the shit out of each other i didn't go to school in the 70s so someone uh tell us if this was okay or not like did this happen is this what is wrong with our parents what no, <laughs> yes I, I think it is i just remember my dad telling me a story one time about somebody pantsing him and he happened to be holding they have these like markers for football they're like sharp on one side and he swung it and caught the guy in the hand like really hurt the kid uh and the coach was just like hey mate next time don't pants anybody so like i feel like maybe the 70s were like that and that man still has a hook hand 
I mean, I don't think it like, you know, I don't think it permanently damaged. I just think it hurt him. But I don't think, you know, now he has flashbacks anytime he pants somebody. He's just like, huh? And once a year on your dad's pants anniversary, he reaches out to that guy and just says, hey, man, need a hand? <laughs> I keep a belt handy just for this occasion. So inside the apartment with the vampire and their familiar and the familiar is at first it looks like cooking but clearly putting together a kit of uh like a chloroform and a big jug and a funnel it's a kill kit in like a doctor's bag yeah to be so prepared he is a terrible murderer he's a terrible murderer he's the worst murderer and he's clearly been doing it for years and he is losing his touch guys let's be honest he's great at preparation he's very bad at execution and yes that is a pun that's true <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this scene because of how dumb it is here here's the thing this is the one that i think he does the best and still fails yes because this is the one where he goes out into the woods and asks a guy if he has the time and then just like does this smell like chloroform to you and like <laughs> i don't even think he went to the woods because based on what happens in the scene it's a well-lit public park. Yes. And he doesn't even pull him off the main path. No. Like, he's like just... he doesn't even drag him further into the woods. There's like street lights on the body. <laughs> I know. That dog finds them immediately because that's what happens is he, he gasses the guy, hangs him up upside down so the blood drains faster. So that's like one smart thing. That is the only smart thing. But can I just say this before I move into the actual insanguination of this guy? Yes. Like the thing that bothers me about these types of movies or I mean Ace Ventura does this too. So it's not just like horror movies. But like the fact that you can knock someone out instantly with chloroform is the most insane thing I've ever heard. It takes at least like four or five minutes of inhaling a like drenched in chloroform rag to make you pass out. Why do you know? Okay, I don't care about your familiar or whatever the fuck you're doing over there. I need my like, tools. I like to bound and be bound. Todd's like, always use Rohypnol. Don't no. use Rohypnol because they they throw up the whole time. It's really gross. <laughs> what is wrong with you two? <laughs> I just Googled it because I thought it was silly in like Ace Ventura and stuff. I was like, does that really exist? And no, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He only drags him five feet away from the street lamp and strings him up a tree anyway on a public park path. He may as well have strung him up on a street light. It's so public <laughs> where he does it that a dog wandering by itself finds him. Well, here's my other problem. And Mikey, <laughs> as somebody who had to go to medical school for a time, back me up on this. Well, you mean what? I don't think he went to that kind of medical school. <laughs> no, but you had to do like cadaver shit. What? No. He's a licensed therapist. <laughs> I just remember you talked about cadavers on the Return of the Living Dead episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I dissected a cat in high school. but So, yeah, I know what you're talking about. No, you don't. I've actually seen cadavers and people working on them because the business that I work in. That's true. Yeah. So the container he brings is not nearly enough for as much blood as right. is going to come out of that body. And if you want to exsanguinate somebody and not leave evidence you need to take all the blood and he's got like a milk carton yeah let's yeah i was like he cut off the top
top of a milk carton? And then he forgets it there. <laughs> so that that's basically the dog runs up, sees the body and the blood. He tries to get the dog to go away. It won't. Ricky, so Ricky the dog. That's my favorite character of the movie. I did love that the dog's name was Ricky. Because, like, <laughs> Americans might call their dog, like, Sven or something, like, that is sort of Swedish. So, like, it, in my mind, we're going to find, like, a Sweden dog named Ben. Or some shit yeah, like all, the most no, American all, yeah. name ever. <laughs> Todd, Mikey. <laughs> I know, right? If you're in Sweden and you have two dogs and you didn't name them Todd and Mikey, you're fucking up, man. Well, I just was really surprised when the dog ran up and was like, you've got some splaining to do about this body. <laughs> and I like how he's like, shoo, Ricky, shoo. Yeah. And can I also say this? And by the way, I love your Ricky Ricardo jokes. Continue making them. Secondly, <laughs> if you have already killed a person, and I'm not advocating killing a dog. I hate when movies kill dogs. But logically, I feel like that he would just kill that dog, right? Well, no, because they're the owners are like two steps down the path. That because how true. far do you let your white poodle get away from you in the snow? You'll never find it again. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you would not let it run in front of you like that. No, I guess Sweden doesn't have leash laws. Not in the 70s. Oh, that's fair. In the 70s, dogs were free. They could do whatever they want. <laughs> they didn't Mikey, get... in the 70s, that dog drove drunk home. <laughs> yeah, and it was legal. <laughs> and there were no fixing dogs either. They just made it in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> they don't wear the, the collar society put on them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he runs off and forgets the milk carton full of blood. Yeah. And the dog's owners run up and find the body, like immediately. Yeah. Because it was next to a body strung up bleeding to death. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to miss. Like, the body is above eye level. Like, it's hanging at eye level. Like, you would see it immediately. So we cut back to Oscar's house and he's looking at his knife again like a total creep. He goes outside into the snow and he's rehearsing his conversation with... He's not rehearsing a conversation. He's rehearsing murdering the bully against a tree and then he shivs that tree a few times. I will say this. On our other podcast, we talk a lot about meat cutes and this is probably one of my favorite meat cutes. That he's pretending to murder somebody and then... And then an actual murderer shows up behind him. With him stabbing that tree, Todd, and it being your favorite meat cute, would you say that this is very sappy? <laughs> God damn it, Mikey, you're a genius. And yes. I would say his bark is worse than their <laughs> bites. <laughs> oh, man. Puns for days, babies. Mm. Puns for days. Do you know how you tell how old a vampire is? Count the rings on their neck? What? The rings, the dead people's rings. <laughs> oh, it's my in the God. movie. Because <laughs> they have a bunch of rings. These are all my jokes for the whole thing, so I'm going to be quiet. Blowing your joke wide early, Mikey. <laughs> That's right. Ah, uh, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we hear a door opening, and he turns to see the vampire standing on top of the jungle gym. And the vampire says, what are you doing? And he says, nothing. What are you doing? And he asks the vampire where they live, and they say that they are his neighbor. Right. And they continually clarify, just so you know, I can't be your friend. And he says, why? And they say, does there have to be a reason? It's just the way it is. Yeah. So it's, but it's kind of that Christian Grey thing of like, don't like <laughs> me. No, it is just like that, Paige. You're yeah. my life now. <laughs> my life now. 
That happens at the end of this movie, Mikey. Yeah. So they basically leave him alone in the snow. And he yeah. calls after, like, why should I want to be your friend? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, you interrupted my murder <laughs> practice. What's yeah. happening? <laughs> if you didn't want to be my friend, why are you bothering me? Right. Yeah. We cut to the subway where the murderer from the previous scene has his chloroform check bloody tarp out for everyone to see check, check. <laughs> <laughs> missing the milk jug of blood yeah and he gets back to the apartment where the vampire is basically like you're supposed to help me do i have to take care of all of this myself and basically goes off yeah here's my problem with this He's got a lot of other stuff to do, like rent the apartment, pay the bills. Like they need to go get their own damn food because they are really mean <laughs> to the familiar. They are. Yeah. I think the point is the vampire is pretty conspicuous because the vampire is 12 years old. Yeah. And so if anyone sees a 12 year old just around at night and we see this, I mean, the vampire kind of uses this to their advantage throughout the movie. But, like, that's something that's going to draw attention and that's something people are going to recognize. And so I think the thinking is that the familiar kind of blends in better. Yeah. Uh, counterpoint. The familiar is an idiot who strings bodies up at the park. True. And she can fly. So they can fly. They can eat people randomly and then they can fly away. Yes. Also, they can't fly. They can climb buildings. No, they can no, fly. I'm pretty sure they fly at, at the end of this movie when they're dragging that person's o over the place and you see their legs i'm pretty sure they're flying i'm pretty sure the vampire can fly and they tell oscar i can fly because like, if that's the case they can just fly to the park land on that guy take him up into the tree kill him in the tree and then drop him in the river or do whatever you want which is how things happen in what we do in the shadows the tv show right where they just kind of descend kill people and leave right but what i kind of like about that movie and slightly less about this movie is that they have to deal with where the bodies are <laughs> and they're like well now we got this body to deal with and this movie we see the familiar dispose of one body but then the other ones they just kind of leave them <laughs> around yeah like it's their taco bell wrapper yeah 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 so we cut to the next day at school and there's been a boy that was killed which we didn't see that happened off camera because it's not the one from the park because that was a man yeah that was fully a man yeah the boy yeah getting killed was like completely out of yeah unrelated yeah yeah i think it's just probably one of the classmates in this psycho school yeah because they <laughs> they basically tell them that like there's a counselor on campus that you can talk to if you need to just yeah. for one day yeah just for one day <laughs> um oscar we see oscar hide in the bathroom as his bullies kind of come after him he gets home and his mom is lecturing him about coming straight home and not being alone outside he yeah. can only go into the courtyard because of the boy that was killed he steals the newspaper and he's keeping copies of articles about murder in like a secret underbed folder uh, trophies oscar murdered the boy no he didn't but i mean he <laughs> is on the path to doing things like that that boy was his practice to murder the bully i mean you can't prove him wrong <laughs> so this is also where we find out from his mom's conversation that he'll be staying with his dad the following week yeah, and they're obviously, like, divorced, right? Right, and we don't get a lot of info about the dad. It's a lot of, like, impl implication, but not explicitly told. Yeah. Where the dad only enjoys spending time with Oscar when it's convenient and fun and doesn't want to do any of the actual parenting activities was the sense that I got. Yeah. Oh, I got that he was, like, an alcoholic. 
I think he is also an alcoholic. Yes, there's. Okay. I think that's very possible. I, I think we only see that in one scene. For a movie to be so long and drawn out, there's not a lot of characterization on the support characters. That's true. I would agree because we don't see much of his mom either. We only see her kind of mean and yelling, except for the one scene where they're brushing teeth together. And I read her as just like a single mom trying to do her best yeah. with a kid who's a future serial killer. <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel like the mom was bad. I felt like maybe inattentive because she was working. She was, you know, on her own trying to raise this psycho kid. Yeah, for some reason, they only have one key to that apartment. Keys were expensive in the 70s. It was like a quarter or whatever. And that key drove drunk home. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But it's it's a plot point that there's only one key because it comes up a couple times. It is weird, yeah. So... Uh, we cut to a cafe with a group of adults, people that we haven't necessarily met before, with the exception of the taxi driver. Uh, and they're all sitting debating the death penalty. Yes, uh, they yes. Are. Real light talk. I don't know. I really do enjoy when I'm hanging out with my friends talking about heavy issues like that. I'm not even joking. I think there's some stuff lost in translation because they're like, blah, 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 pro death penalty, blah, 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 negative death penalty, blah, 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 the Russians. Well, <laughs> Yeah, they do bring up the Russians, but this was in the 70s. Yeah, this, this if this is the 70s, it's the Cold War. Yeah, this is USSR Russians. But I was like, what do the Russians have to do with the death penalty? I was like, what? Mm. You didn't connect the argument to me. I don't think we're meant to. I think it's supposed to be small talk, and it's just not pleasant small talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they look over across the cafe, and they recognize the man, or essentially the familiar, who was with the vampire. Yeah, the quote-unquote father. Right. Yeah, we, let's just call him George Michaels because he's the father figure. I mean, that song has troubling implications and so does the fun facts of this movie about that character. So uh, they offer to have him join their little circle and he says, no, thanks. I'm in a hurry. And we cut back to Oscar's house and he's going out, although his mom's like, I know somebody got murdered, but just stay in the courtyard. You know, murder can't happen in the courtyard, I guess. Well, it was the 70s. Also, that's like, don't go out of the front yard. Don't cross the street. You know, I feel like that's like regular busy mom shit you know yeah no i feel you so he's sitting and playing with the rubik's cube and the vampire approaches him on the jungle gym just like last time yeah he basically is like so you're back so you're back i want to be left alone so do i then go home i am home you're the new one yeah and he basically tells the vampire about the rubik's cube and the vampire kind of starts playing with it and he does kind of seem to imply that the vampire smells a bit. Yeah, no, he straight up was like, you smell weird. Yeah, I think he said you stink. Well, yeah, and we find out kind of later, it's implied a little bit that when the vampire hasn't eaten, they start to smell. And I would imagine they start to smell dead. Yeah, they probably start to smell like rotting flesh, maybe something like that. Yep. But he fully does like lean in like Top Gun and he's like, vampire, you stink. <laughs> And then they go off and kill someone. They're like, now I don't think I'm wearing Mark by familiar. (laughs) In this scene, he asks the vampire, aren't you cold? Why not? I've forgotten how. And he leaves and leaves the Rubik's Cube with the vampire. Yes, says you can play with it for a day. Yeah. And as he leaves... The vampire's stomach growls. So as that's happening, the taxi driver comes home and he's hugging his friend, Juke, uh, who we'll see in a couple minutes. Yeah. I love the way they say goodbye. He's like, give me a hug. Thank you for another fulfilling night of merriment and fun. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 
Hey, listen, it's the last words he ever got to say to him. So I'm sure that thinking back on it, he's very glad he let Juke know how he felt about him as a person. Probably. <laughs> well, he's about to get juke out of his life. Yeah. <laughs> but this is why I always tell you I love you, Mikey. Because when you <laughs> die before me, which is going to happen, I'm going to feel better about it. It's true. <laughs> so he walks under an overpass. Well, and he hears the vampire like saying, help me, help me. Help me, help me. As he leans down to help, the vampire like bear grabs him like arms, legs, like climbs on like a tree. Oh, no, it's worse than that because yes. he picks the vampire up. He picks the vampire up to carry them to a phone. Yeah, and then they, at that point, like bear climb onto his back, biting his neck. Oh, it's rough, man. Yeah. But the vampire's way better at killing people than the familiar. Oh, yeah, but very public. Yeah, that's the problem. Is yeah. It's very public because people see, and then the vampire just leaves the body there. The familiar is the one that has to dispose of that body. Which, again, terrible job for the familiar. Yeah, but it's his fault. If he had just done his job to begin with, none of this would have happened, Mikey. Yeah. As the vampire attacks, this is the first time we hear them true, like the vampire sound, the like true unhuman growl, which is kind of yeah. unique. That's not usually a thing uh, in vampire movies necessarily, but I actually really liked it as, as a touch here. I think it's really effective. I liked it too. So a neighbor sees from the balcony, the vampire drinks the blood and leaves like a pile of blood in the snow. Like it's the most conspicuous crime. They also rip the head off of Juke, which is insane. Yeah. Killing him so he didn't turn. Yeah, because that comes up later. Yeah, I, I get that. I just think the special effects on this are really good because you see the vampire take that guy down to the ground, drinking his blood, and then without a break in the camera, turn his head around. You've unlocked a fun fact. There's very little CG in this film. The kills are a few of the places they use it. The other place that they used CG... The cats. The cats, which... And the cats are not great. They're not awesome, <laughs> but they're not awful either. They're not. But it is the funniest part of the movie it is the funniest <laughs> part of the movie um but the other place that they used it was in the vampire's face occasionally where the vampire will turn and when they're kind of in the like bloodlust if you want to think of it that way the eyes get a little bit bigger and the face gets more angular interesting and they actually kind of adjusted that but it's so subtle that you don't really notice it Unless you're looking for it. I've watched enough Drag Race to know that you can achieve those same effects by heavy contouring. Yes. So I assume they did it all with makeup. Like, if you get Trixie Mattel in there, she could knock that out for the vampire lickety splits. If you got Trixie Mattel in there, it'd be like, is this a Kabuki <laughs> production of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> when did they make anime vampires? I'm into this. There is not enough clown white to go around. <laughs> jokes for the handful of people who know who we're talking about. Uh, so, <laughs> so Oscar looks out his window because he can kind of hear in the background that his mom and dad are fighting. And he goes yeah. outside, but he seems to be in a different part of the courtyard, so he can't see the crime scene. Um, we cut back to the man who watched the crime from his balcony. Mr. I own all the cats. For lack of a better term, he's a cat man. He's a cat man! No, 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 cat man! <laughs> <laughs> I found it very nice to know that if vampires were real, I would be safe. 
because there are five cats in my house and they would just attack the shit out of that vampire. There's one cat in my house that sleeps in a giant stuffed shark. And I, I think you could oh, care less. Oh, that's the sweetest <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so the next day at the bistro, instead of like calling the cops or anything, Catman comes to join the group of adults that get drunk every day at this bistro. And he's like, your friend, Joke, I saw it from the balcony. A kid killed him. And they're like, how big is this kid? And he's like, no, you've got to come with me. So they go to where the snow is and it's covering up blood and they can't figure out who did this. And again, at no point do they go to the cops. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the 70s. There's no stitches, snitches. <laughs> And the cops would have to drunk drive there. <laughs> no, 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 no. It bothered me a lot that he did not call the cops. Like, that is a close friend of his. He watched get murdered. He does not call the cops. And they pressure him to, and the people who are pressuring him to shouldn't be calling the cops. They should be like, hey, I know this is secondhand, but here's how that murder went down. Here's who you talk to about it. Yeah. Find the kid that lives in the apartment with cardboard on the windows. Yeah. You've unlocked a fun fact. If you find a place you think a murder occurred, you should probably call the police. If there's a bunch of blood everywhere. That's not necessarily a fun fact so much as it's just like a, hey, do this. All right. You've unlocked a, hey, do this. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. You've unlocked a, hey, do this. We cut to the familiar dragging the body out out into the forest yes. to what looked like a hot spring, but then later it freezes. <laughs> dragging him on a sled that he is slowly dragging through another public park that later in elementary school goes <laughs> ice skating on. Yeah, it's the saddest toboggan. I thought that was hilarious, though. I also thought it was hilarious. And I was like, this guy's life sucks. He sucks at whatever he's doing. He's terrible. I would, I mean, ugh. I did want the shot of him going down a hill, riding the dead man on the toboggan. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like Swiss army man. Just like, oh man, that would have been hilarious. He dumps the body in. He kind of directs it with a stick to try and push it deeper. And we'll see that stick later. Yeah, we will. And he goes back to the apartment. We cut to the next day where Oscar goes outside and the Rubik's Cube is sitting on the jungle gym complete. Yes. And this was in the 70s before people knew how to solve those in like 30 seconds. I could not solve a Rubik's Cube. He, well, and here's the thing. So Rubik's Cube initially made me think it was 80s, but the Rubik's Cube was actually available overseas much earlier than it was available in the U.S. So in the U.S. it hit in the 80s, but overseas it was much earlier. So oh, okay. we cut to the vampire asleep in the apartment in the tub uh, instead of like a coffin or anything. So we cut to Oscar at school and he's examining the cube in class. He walks home from school in the dark because it's winter and it gets dark very early. Yeah. And the vampire is on the jungle gym and he asks like how did you do it how did you do the rubik's cube and the vampire is like do i smell better now you know here's <laughs> my name's ellie what's yours how old are you they're both 12 give or take and he finds out that the vampire doesn't celebrate birthdays no and doesn't know when their birthday is right and he's like don't your parents know when your birthday is Right, and, and it's because he doesn't understand that the familiar is not a parent. <laughs> but, you right. know, so the vampire shows him how they did the Rubik's Cube. We cut to the next day when he's in class and they're reading The Hobbit. Yes, they are. Did either of you read The Hobbit in school? Like, I read it for no. fun. Okay. I read it for fun, yeah. Same. I did not read it in school, no. Hot take, way better than Lord of the Rings. I would say it's a more compact story and more easily digestible, sure. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that, Mikey. I don't know. The 
Lord of the Rings is like 80% traveling. And if I wanted to hear about people walking places and not having breakfast, I could just do a commute. Get off the sleepy. Uh, the Silmarillion's where it's at, guys. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, God. <laughs> That's like, I don't like math. You should try calculus. <laughs> <laughs> so Oscar stays in class late because he has stuff to do. He tells his teacher he's going to stay. Mm-hmm. And the bullies kind of sneak past him where they're basically waiting for him outside the classroom. And we cut to the book that he's looking at. He's learning Morse code. Yeah. He leaves the classroom. It's dark outside. The bullies saw him writing. And so they demand to see it. And they gang up on him and hit him with a stick until his face bleeds. Because these are murderous children. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the only reason they stop is because he starts bleeding. And they're like, well, who's going to talk to his mom about it? Okay, bye. And they run away. <laughs> so he teaches Ellie Morse code. And Ellie asks, what happened to you? Basically his face. And he tells Ellie that it was his classmates. And Ellie tells him that he should hit back and hit hard. Yeah. And he's like, well, what if there's more of them than there are me? And she's like, then you fucking hit them hard. Yeah. And she's like, I saw you with that knife. Just stab them in the <laughs> guts and twist so it can't the wound can't close. Oh, jeez. But yes. <laughs> then he says, what if I hit back and they still try to hurt me? And Ellie says, if they don't stop, I'll help, which yeah. is what comes into play at the very end. Yeah. They go back into the apartment and they're tapping on the walls in Morse code. And he says, sweet dreams, which is very cute. And they respond, are made of these, question mark? (laughs) Who am I to tap on walls? (laughs) Murder your classmates. I want to eat them. Oh, my God. Mikey participated in the music joke. Everybody's (laughs) looking for bloody. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, this is a landmark joke event, guys. Mikey participated. Apparently, his music knowledge only goes as deep as the Eurythmics. Uh, Fun fact. Annie Lennox is one of the few jokes that Andrea Gazetta can participate in on podcast when we sing. So we cut to the next day where we're in PE where bullies are made. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. Let's talk about bullying in school for a minute. Yeah, Mikey, what is it like to be a bully? Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, how how does that feel? Let me get your side of it. From the high school band president, can you tell me what it was like to be a bully and not just be bullied? So I didn't bully people. Well, I mean, mm. depending on what happens social media wise after I say this, maybe I did. And I will apologize <laughs> if the time comes. <laughs> but I was very quiet in middle school and I got picked on a lot, but I was big. Like I was like 200 pounds by like eighth grade and I played a bunch of sports, but I have vivid memories. I was trying to pee. We were like sixth grade. We're all peeing. And this kid, I'm not going to say his name, but I want to because I don't like him. But. <laughs> So he, I'm peeing and he shakes me oh. while I'm peeing to try to do, and he was like laughing. So I zip up and I punched him as hard as I could into the <laughs> stomach and he flew into the wall and fell down and started crying. Yeah, because you punched him so hard he took flight. Because he was tiny. He was a <laughs> tiny kid picking on me. So he cries out to, he like runs and cries to the teacher. Who then I come out of the bathroom and he's like, Michael, can we talk about this? So-and-so said they, that you punched them. And I was like, yes, sir. He was shaking me with my when I peed, and I did not like that, and I punched him. <laughs> and the teacher was like, okay. <laughs> and then that was it. <laughs> I didn't realize you went to school in the 70s, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> that 
same kid tried to fight me three more times throughout grade school. Oh, that kid's dumb. Finally, one time, I, like, picked him above my head, like, professional wrestler style, and, like, threw him to the ground. I was like, damn, dude, let it go. <laughs> he hated you, Mikey. I was like, Mikey Mania, coming for you, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to snap your neck like a Slim Jim. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you pick on me at home, period. I was chubby, am, have been, constant state. <laughs> and there's a thing about like when, when you're chubby as a kid versus being chubby in a more grown-up body. And so at a certain point in like sixth grade when we would dress out for PE, we had like a bathroom. So there were like stalls. And so you couldn't necessarily see other people because there wasn't a locker room. And then when we got to junior high and high school... We had a locker room where everyone had to change together, which is like the first time that it ever happened to me. And I just remember pulling my shirt off one day to change into like a sports bra. And a girl tried to make fun of me and was like, damn, look at those titties. I was like, yeah, double D's, bitch. Come call me when your boyfriend wants to date me. And she was just like, (laughs) (laughs) and the stand up comedian was born. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm going to damn near put an eye out with my own nipples, but you stay insecure. (laughs) (laughs) And that girl's boyfriend, Jake. No, <laughs> no. I, she and I ended up being cool later, but she was just she never made a comment about it again. <laughs> so we've all been victims. I wasn't really bullied in high school because when I was a freshman, my brother was a senior and he would like playfully bully me because he's my older brother. You know, he wasn't that bad, but he would like push me into a locker as a joke. Yeah. You don't seem like the type to be bullied. You seem more like the type that we like Paige and I would talk bad about you when you weren't around. I mean, that probably happened too. And listen, I gave a lot of ammunition for that because I was the guy wearing three shirts, a jacket, and a vest. <laughs> That's it. So like, your, your poor mom trying to do your laundry growing up. I live with my dad in high school. That makes sense. But he probably felt he had enough clothes laundry to have four children. I think it's funny that you think my dad did my laundry. When I moved in with my dad at 13, he was like, hey, we do our own laundry in this house. So I had to figure out how to do laundry. Well, he only said that because you dirty up 15 shirts in four days. (laughs) He's like, we only have one basket. (laughs) He's like, we do our own laundry in this house because I wear one pair of clothes a day. You, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm trying to be supportive. And I don't have the time. Your life is just one whole that episode of Friends where Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes. (laughs) Todd probably couldn't hear the bullying underneath his third hoodie. (laughs) So even though I wasn't bullied in high school, I do feel like I get bullied right now. So I I do feel like I understand what it's like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so back in PE where bullies are made, he goes in to talk to the coach and asks about the after school weightlifting program and he tells them that practice is at seven you just show up which is pretty late i think it is late i don't know when school starts and ends for them like for us school starts and ends early right yeah i don't know if it's like that in you know european countries so maybe that's what it is but i did think it was awesome that the teacher was like you're gonna join weightlifting Good for you. (laughs) Good for you. And those noodle arms will make rotini out of them yet. (laughs) It's going to make you big and strong. So we cut to they're at like a little candy store and the kitty in the candy store hisses at the vampire. Yeah. Yeah. And the vampire stays outside. 
Yeah. And he buys mixed candy for the both of them. The vampire doesn't want any, but to be nice, takes one out and puts it in their mouth. It's a mistake. And then ends up barfing behind the building. Yeah. Yeah. If there's one thing we know about vampires, eating human food makes them barf. Yeah. See, that makes me think I wouldn't want to be immortal. Like, what would I do with my emotional eating? Like, kill a school bus? <laughs> <laughs> I do love that your bit about killing children or beating up children <laughs> continues into immortality slash vampiric states. That is amazing, and I want it to never stop, Mikey. I, you could have gone prison bus, but no. You could have just fucked up a mall food court, and you were like, no, no, no. I like my food to go. <laughs> I like a box lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, Mikey, I applaud your courage. I think COVID would be a good time to be a vampire. Why? <laughs> Everyone's inside. Oh, yeah. God. So, like, you can be outside. That means you have to do B and E's every time. Yeah. But, like, it's easy to be and get that E because <laughs> you're so strong or whatever. Oh, wow. No, you have to be invited in. That means every single time you want to attack somebody, you have to be like, Hi, have you heard the good news about me being a vampire and wanting your blood? Can you please let me in? Oh my God, just download Tinder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paige, because Todd wears so many layers, he could be a daywalker. I'd be the most vicious of vampires. Except that he would move slow because he got like six sweaters on. <laughs> I can't put my arms all the way down. <laughs> oh my God, we got to move on. <laughs> so he hugs the vampire and the vampire yeah. says... Do you like me? And he says, of course I like you. And then the vampire says, if I wasn't a girl, would you like me? And he says, I suppose. Uh, we cut to, he's in the car playing with like a little army man. But he arrives at a farm with what I assume is his dad. We find out it's his dad. They ride a snowmobile and a motorbike and go sledding. And at one point, they're back in the house and Oscar puts on his dad's sweater and smells it. So yeah. he like misses his dad this first scene with his dad you're like why are they separated this is really sad because it feels like he doesn't get to see him and it feels like this is the one place he's truly happy yeah i got the impression that he just wasn't as alone there yeah i agree so we cut back to ellie's house where ellie's bored yeah and the familiar is putting his kit together again and he says there are many people who know my face and that i live here with you and ellie says well then maybe you shouldn't and then the familiar says, well, then what am I good for? And Ellie just kind of shrugs. <laughs> yeah. And right. So abusive. It's, it's a pretty brutal scene. Like, I feel bad for the familiar in this. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. So the familiar asks Ellie, don't see that boy tonight, please. Uh, but then Ellie reaches out and like pets the side of his face. Yeah. yeah, he like leans into it and it's all super creepy, the whole yeah. thing. I sort of got the feeling like the familiar was saying, don't replace me. Yeah, so we cut to he's standing outside a gym watching teenagers play basketball. That shot was so creepy and so good. It was just like that slow like walk to the mm -hmm. side, revealing him standing outside, just like picking his target. Yeah. I would have been a lot more like fearful if I knew he was anywhere near of a competent murderer. Oh, yeah. If he wasn't going to fail his way to the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was basically like an Adam Sandler character being a murderer <laughs> at this point. It's like the Rob Schneider character in an Adam Sandler <laughs> movie yes. trying to murder people. Yes. Because what we find 
out is he picks a kid to kill, but that kid has two friends waiting for him outside. So like there, there's already a built in like, Hey, where is that guy? And so they go in to check on their friend. The yelling wakes the friend up and he yells for them to kind of come in and let him down. And this whole time, the familiars had a jar of clear liquid and it kind of tips over and falls on a jacket, revealing that it's acid. Yeah, it's some sort of acid. Some sort of acid he was probably going to try and use to dissolve the body, but he didn't have nearly enough, just like he's got a milk jug for a whole body was worth of blood. Oh, no, I thought it was for this exact purpose. Well, and, and I thought that that might be the case, but I wasn't sure why it would be for that purpose if he was going to be successful. I think he only brought it because he might not be successful because he has a proven track record of failure. So he brought it so he could disfigure his face yeah. so that if they caught him, they would not recognize that it's the dad character and the play acting thing they're doing with the vampire. Right? Oh, okay. So he's aciding his face so they don't go to the apartment. Yes, to protect the vampire, yes. So he walks basically further into the school, into the showers attached to the locker room Yeah, as the other teenagers get in to get their friend down, and he dumps the acid onto his face while saying the vampire's name. Yeah. Ellie. Honestly, really sad. Like, this is a person who has dedicated their life to the vampire. Like, you can very clearly see that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just not much for commitment like that. (laughs) That's why you like ghost stories and not vampire movies. So at this point, Ellie is all alone and Ellie taps on the wall, but there's no response because Oscar's not there. At this point, it cuts to Oscar trying to lift weights. Oh, that's right. He's at the school. Yeah. And the boys have put his pants in the urinal, which sucks for multiple reasons because it's frozen pee. Well, and they pee all over it. Like it's wet. It is soaked in piss. Yeah. And so he has to walk home in his gym shorts, which at this point, I'm just like... What is going on at this school? Like, these kids are horrible. Yeah. So Ellie is in the apartment, and she overhears, I believe it's the radio TV? Yeah, radio. uh, That an unidentified man was charged with murder with self-inflicted facial wounds. So Ellie goes to the hospital and basically says, I'm looking for my dad. And the nurse asks, has he been admitted? And Ellie says, he's sick. The police brought him in. Do you know where he is? And the nurse tells Ellie that he's on the seventh floor, but that's restricted. So she walks out. The nurse actually walks out after her. Oh, I thought she was a goner, too. When she walked outside to follow the vampire, I was like, oh, you gonna get it, girl. But no. The vampire doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie climbs the building to the seventh floor and taps on the window. And the familiar gets out of bed to let Ellie in. And his face is fucked up. Yes, yeah. Two Face from yes. Batman. Harvey yeah. Dented. Like it is. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. It it looks great. And he can't speak. He can't talk. His he's traked, yeah. Yeah, he's traked. So he disconnects his breathing tube and Ellie drinks his blood. Yeah. And he falls out the window to his death where he breathes his last breath. And it's a brutal one. I mean, it's almost as bad as like Midsummer has the end where you like really see people hit the ground, but this one's still pretty bad because he falls and hits like the front door and then falls to the oh, ground. Oh yeah, the awning. Ugh. Yeah, we cut to the taxi driver and I believe his girlfriend. Their relationship is very confusing because I thought they were married. I don't. I don't know though. It is sort of confusing. I think they were like friends with benefits. They haven't really defined yeah, it. They haven't yeah. had that DTR conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And he's questioning, why would a kid kill Joke? And I'd like to tear that kid limb from limb, is what he says. Yeah. Yeah. He's my favorite character. <laughs> he's the Mikey of this movie, for sure. <laughs> yes. Not fully committed to this girl in the movie, wants to kill a kid. <laughs> Definitely the Mikey in this movie, yes. Ellie knocks on Oscar's window, and he invites Ellie in, and Ellie yeah. says, don't look at me, but comes in takes all of their clothes off and then climbs into bed with Oscar. Yeah. And I think it's because the clothes are covered in blood. Like yeah. it is truly to hide those clothes. Oh, and this is where he says, how did you get in? I flew. So they can fly. And Oscar's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You're ice cold. What is going on? You know? And then yeah. they're like, uh, yeah. Is it bothering you? I'm sorry. <laughs> And he's like, no, it's fine, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. This is how I knew that Oscar was a sociopath, is that he had a naked person come into his bed and he like was super chill about it. No, the vampire was the chilly one, Mikey. <laughs> I mean, I, I read it as he's 12 and doesn't necessarily understand the dynamics of a relationship much further than that. Yeah, I don't feel like there's anything sexual really between them. There is meant to be. It's supposed to be a romance movie. This is this is a horror romance is how it is classified. <laughs> I felt it. I felt weird. I felt weird about this scene. I feel weird about a lot of scenes. I did feel weird about this scene. I thought it was an odd choice. And, and the way that I kind of reconciled it was that uh, Ellie was trying to get rid of those clothes. And that made sense. I thought Ellie was sad and went for him for comfort. Maybe. Although... While in bed, Ellie's kind of playing games on his back and he asks, would you be my girlfriend? And Ellie again reiterates, I'm not a girl. Yeah. And before we got to the later scene and before reading the fun facts, I kept interpreting this as I'm a vampire. I'm not human. That's what I interpreted it as. I wasn't. I was reading it as this person does not see themselves gendered as female. I didn't read it that way until the later scene, but okay. I do think the later scene solidifies that. I don't think there's a lot of evidence for it until we get there, except in fun facts where there are things cut out that would have really Fair clearly enough. defined it. Yeah. But Ellie asks, can we keep things the way they are? I guess. Do you do anything special when you go steady with someone? Not really. So everything is the same. Sure. Then we'll go steady. It'll be you and me. Yeah. I think also this could be Ellie claiming him as the new familiar. That's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. So the next morning he looks out the window and Ellie left him a note. Uh, we cut to the woods outside where the entire school is going to go play hockey. Or at least go ice skating. Hockey for the old kids, free skate for middle schoolers or something like that, right? Yeah. It's like a school field trip, I think they recall it. They tell them to avoid a hole in the ice, which is where the familiar dumped that body. Yeah. And so what we see as this is kind of going through, the bullies are there closing in on Oscar. Yeah, going to push him into the ice, going to potentially kill him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were going to murder him. I, they try to later. And the only person that seems to notice is one of their teachers, Mr. Avila, who is the weightlifting coach, but never intervenes. I think he's got this thing of like, yeah, I want to make Oscar strong so he can fight his own battles. And I'm like, you should intervene in this case. They're about to murder him. They're going to murder this kid. Well, he's not a good teacher because at the same time, two little kids at the, of opposite gender are like, we got to pee. And he's like, go behind the trees over there. I mean, that is what happens. Yes, that, that is their only option. So, you know, um, but they go over by the hole to pee and they're the ones that find the dead body. But in the midst of this, 
in the midst of this, Oscar finds the stick that the familiar used to push the body down. They pass the baton, Mikey. Pass the baton. Yeah. And essentially arms himself with it. And the bullies advance on him. And they ask, like, what are you going to do with that stick? And he basically says, it's for me in case you try anything. And the difference is that they don't try anything. They they back off and he still hits that kid. Oh, it seemed to me like that kid was coming after him, but he had no support from his other friends. But that Connie, I think is his name. Connie's his that name. That Connie was still going to try and do something because he even says, he's like, no, I'm going to push you in and you're not going to do anything. And then that's when Oscar smacks him on the side of the head. There's an extra beat because he says it and then the other kids are like, Mr. Avila is going to see so he actually takes a step back so he does he's not going to do it he takes a step back either way I was on board for it when he got smacked in the face I was like hell yeah Oscar I was on board for it until Oscar's bloodlust came in when he's like <laughs> look at he's bleeding yes yes well and we established later that that kid temporarily or not is now deaf on that side yeah so he he really got him. Yeah. Good. Which again, they were trying to murder him. So like, you know. Yeah. He didn't hear Oscar's warning. Yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Avila is about to intervene, except that this is where they find the body. And so we see them chainsawing the body out of the ice, oh. which and this is something I shouldn't have this laughed at. This is the at. second funniest part of the movie. I laughed at it, too, guys. It's so sad that it's so funny. <laughs> They pull that body out. Face down. Face down. And it's just like. Ass up. That's the way I like to murder. I like to murder. Sticking out. (laughs) It's almost like if we came upon Demolition Man half defrosted. (laughs) Our Demolition Man was taking a shit and they turned it sideways. Yes. But then they lifted it up in front of the whole school class. Like they didn't wait and clear the. Of the no, they're just like, here, children, here's what a frozen body looks like. <laughs> we cut to Oscar's apartment where his mom is fighting with his dad over the phone. It's about him hitting that other kid. And so she hands the phone to Oscar. And this is, I think, where we start to get the indication that Oscar's father doesn't want to be there for the hard stuff, just the fun stuff, because he doesn't even talk to him about really what happened. We don't even hear his side of the conversation, but we hear Oscar talking about the bike and the snow and not the situation. He did potentially deafen another student. So, like, it's something that they would have to address. I don't see why they would have to address it. He's been bullied by these kids for a long time and no one's ever addressed that. Yeah, no, I agree. And this school is full of murderers, but like, yeah, you know, it's there would never be no discussions afterward. Like it's something that they would have to go through. And this is probably an escalation of the violence, right? Yeah. Do you think these kids are murderers because they keep removing the bodies from the school in front of them? Oh, maybe. (laughs) Can you imagine having to leave school because you have been in the ear so hard you've lost hearing and your parents make you go back to school the same day that's pretty brutal <laughs> yeah connie does not have a good home life that's why he's a bully well yeah because his brother's a fucking murderer like it's... <laughs> <laughs> so many people could have murdered that kid at the beginning like we have like a, like a such a long list of suspects yeah it's 
nuts. But this, so this is later that same day and Ellie essentially meets him at the pool and they walk to almost like a clubhouse kind of a thing where like the older kids go to smoke weed was the implication of where they go. Oscar gets out his knife like a full-blown creep and slices his hand so that they can mix their blood, which is like not normal. It's like a 70s thing though. Like Blood Brothers was a thing back in the day. No, no, no. That's how you like ask someone to commit. Like that's how you... (laughs) Well, it's one of those things that you ask somebody before you just go slice and dice on your hand. Like if I if I want you to be my girlfriend, I just take out my knife and cut my hand. When I asked Mikey to join the podcast before I even brought it up, I took out my knife, cut my hand down the center of the palm and made him shake my bloody hand. <laughs> he offers Ellie his hands and Ellie backs away and he he clarifies like I want to mix our blood and we hear Ellie's stomach growling. She's like, yeah, I know, but I'm a vampire, you idiot. Yes. So we hear the animal noises. Yeah. Ellie leans down and laps the blood off the floor and yells for him to go away. Yeah. Ellie runs outside, climbs a tree, and then is just like chilling in that tree like. <laughs> yeah, they're fully going vamp mode up in that tree. Yes. So we cut to the cat apartment. Who do you think is renting that apartment? One of the cats or that guy? <laughs> Definitely Mr. Whiskers. Speaking, <laughs> as somebody- <laughs> Speaking as somebody who has five cats in this apartment, it's definitely Natalie and I who are running that apartment. <laughs> Todd, if Natalie ever breaks up with you, you become this guy. <laughs> so they're debating whether or not they could go to the cops about Joke and the taxi driver and the blonde lady seem to break up over it because she's like, yeah, we should go to the cops. And he's just yes! like, don't go to the cops. I don't understand why no one wants to go to the cops. Are the cops in Sweden like fully corrupt? Like, why does no one want to loop them in on the murder they witnessed? It's crazy. She stumbles out of the apartment and past the tree where Ellie is perched and Ellie jumps down and attacks. Like a snake in the night. Yes. But the, <laughs> the tax driver's like right behind, runs up and just like punts Ellie off of her. <laughs> Ellie flies like four feet. It's nuts. He's my character, man. Yeah. Just like Mikey, the taxi driver is not afraid to kick a kid. They were attacking her. I agree. It was the right move. But also, just like they didn't go to the cops, they also don't go to the hospital where they they bring that woman inside and basically let her sleep it out because we cut to the next morning and she can't bear sunlight and she has bite marks on her neck. So like, it's obvious that they just were like, "Hmm, hope she doesn't die. And if she does, we don't know her and we don't go to the cops. Yeah. Just like a relationship. (laughs) So we cut to Oscar, who's now spending some time with his dad after the incident at school. Yeah. And as they're spending time and having fun, someone comes into the house with icy socks. Did that mean anything? I don't know. I could not figure out who this person was supposed to be and why it made Oscar so upset because Oscar is visibly upset. And his dad pours drinks for them and basically stops playing with Oscar because they have guests. But I don't know why it upsets Oscar so much. I just There's just not a lot of context, and I don't understand what's happening. My view on it was that the dad values his friendship with this guy more than the son. Uh, and yeah, that is very so. clear to Oscar, so that sort of pisses Oscar off or upsets mm. him. Maybe not pisses him off. But we, what we do see is that Oscar picks up the note that Ellie left, and it just says, I must be gone and live or stay and die yours, Ellie. Yeah, we've all gotten that note. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm sure you've written that note many times, Mikey. <laughs> Someone's trying to murder me. I have to move cities. Goodbye. Oh, I thought your note would say something like, commitment to me is death, so I have to go so I can live. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hurt you, so I must leave now. Yours truly forever, Mikey. So we cut to, it looks like uh, Ellie is hitchhiking. If you could fly, would you ever hitchhike? No. Yeah. I think they were trying to find a new victim and we just don't see them die. That could be, Paige. Yeah. Uh, but what we do see is the blonde woman runs to try and drink some of Jockey's frozen blood, looks up and sees uh, the cat apartment lights on. And so she goes up into that apartment where the taxi driver is talking to the cat. They invite her in and thus begins the funniest scene of this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. These cats attack this woman. They hate her. Her and mind you, they're computer generated cats, and it's a yeah. little obvious, so it makes it a little bit easier to tolerate when she starts just throwing them around the room. <laughs> but she literally is the cat lady from The Simpsons, just like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they literally attach themselves to her and then right, catapult yes. her out of the apartment. Yes, and she's just running and throwing them, yes. and falling down the <laughs> stairs, just in an explosion of cats. Just like throwing cats everywhere. And the cats seem to be fine. They're just like, we're taking care of this vampire for you. Yeah, don't worry about it, Dad. We got this. So they institutionalize that woman. Yeah. Uh, she ends up strapped down in a hospital. And that woman, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Oscar arrives home and he tries Morse code on Ellie's door and Ellie lets him in. Yeah. And he kind of walks around the apartment. The apartment truly makes it look like Ellie is a child that just isn't cared for. Yeah. And Ellie smells. So Ellie hasn't fed. He even asks, are you poor? Like, what's going on? Yeah. But first, Ellie puts distance between them, basically a glass door between them. And yeah. he asks, are you a vampire? And basically, I live off blood. Yes. Are you dead? No. Are you old? I'm 12, but I've been 12 for a long time. I really wish we got more of a story there and like how long they've been 12. It got cut. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Because that was driving me crazy. So the house is basically empty. And this is where he asks if Ellie is poor. And Ellie basically shows him all the treasures that they've taken from the people that they've killed and there's like a puzzle box full of rings and gold ellie tries to give him money so he doesn't have to distribute flyers and he can stay and hang out yeah but knowing that it's stolen he doesn't take it and he tells ellie that he wants to go home yeah if ellie will let him go home and and ellie does we cut yeah. to the institution where the blonde lady is and the taxi driver is sitting next to her and he's going to sell dad's stamp collection for 80 grand to buy a nice cottage. And also, can I say this? If my dad or whoever had a stamp that was worth $80,000 and they were just going to give it to me, I would have sold that shit a long time ago. Yeah. Now, this is a classic Mikey move. You wait till she's strapped to a deathbed. You're like, now I'm going to commit and buy a cabin and we're going to live out our days. Hey, you want to get married real quick and sign these life insurance papers? <laughs> Hang on while I got this sledgehammer. I'm just going to knock these ankles real quick. Oh, That's a real Stephen King kind of move right there. So the woman, the, the blonde woman says, you've got to help me. That kid must have infected me somehow. I don't want to live. 
Yeah. She's basically like, I'm a vampire, so let's end it. We cut to a very short scene of Oscar brushing his teeth with his mom. It's sort of sweet. It's like the only moment where he has like positive adult attention that's not with his dad. We cut back to the hospital the next morning and there's a hospital tech that's going to take a blood sample yeah. from the blonde woman. And she just says, listen, could you open the blinds? And the, the tech is like, sure, no problem. Opens the blinds and the woman bursts into flames. I thought this shot was real creepy and real cool. I thought I thought it was the creepiest shot of the film. Yeah, the, like because the orderly's there or the phlebotomist or whatever is there. And then the taxi driver runs in and she is just on flames in front of him. A pillar of flame. Yeah. yeah. And the taxi driver, he just falls to his knees and he was crying to the heavens. She was just too hot to live. <laughs> so we cut to school <laughs> where we meet Connie's older brother, who, if possible, is worse than all three bullies combined. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like the Zordon of their uh, <laughs> bullyingness. We cut back to Oscar's apartment where the doorbell rings. Ellie's back and has fed. Yeah. And tells him that he has to invite them in. Uh, and he says, what happens if I don't? Is there something in the way? And he just kind of beckons with his finger. So Ellie walks in, but immediately starts like breathing heavily like it hurts them to be in the house. This was a really cool shot. This is a very cool shot. They start bleeding through their skin and eyes. And so he invites them in and he starts asking questions like, who are you? They say, I'm like you. And they repeat the things that he said the first night they met. Yeah. What are you staring at? Well, are you looking at me? Scream, squeal like a pig. Those were the first words I heard you say. And he says, well, I don't kill people. And Ellie says, but you'd like to if you could to get revenge. And he says, yes. And Ellie says, I do it because I have to be me for a little while. Yeah. Which is essentially Ellie asking him to be the familiar, I would say, at this yeah. point. Ellie's like, have you have you heard the good news about murdering? <laughs> have you heard the good news about me drinking <laughs> your blood? So we're back in the house. He turns on the record player. And essentially, he's letting Ellie kind of shower and clean up. And he lets Ellie borrow some of his mom's clothes. So he directs Ellie to the dresses that his mom has. Yes. And he peeks. And we get a shot of Ellie's crotch, which is disfigured and scarred. Yeah. I rewound it a couple times to really kind of try and get a sense of what we were seeing i did not i i also did not yeah well i because i was kind of confused as to what it is because it's never explained in the movie but i do have fun facts that do explain it it is okay. scarring yeah no it looks like scarring yeah ellie is badly scarred yeah so right around that same time oscar's mom comes home and ellie hops out the window we cut to later that night and oscar checks on his mom sleeping and i thought that this was him questioning whether or not he would kill her really Oh, yes. yeah, I, I didn't get that read. I didn't get that either. He doesn't do it, but we cut to the taxi driver who is now trying to retrace Joke's steps to Ellie's apartment. Well, yeah, he's like walking by the sort of like condos they live in or whatever that is mm -hmm. and sees the windows that are blacked out or cardboarded up, really. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's got to be where the vampire lives. Right. Here's what was a little unclear to me and a little confusing. Oscar wakes up on the floor at Ellie's house, which was strange mm -hmm. because we never establish him going back there. 
which is weird. I'm wondering if he checks on his mom sleeping because he's leaving to go next door. That makes sense. He's sneaking out. He's sneaking out. That makes a little more sense. Yeah, that's sort of what I thought it was when he checks on the mom. Yeah. Which, I'll be honest with you, if anyone walked in the room I was sleeping in, turned the lights on, I'm awake. Yeah, same. Like, that would have woken me up. But Oscar wakes up to a note that says, I'm in the bathroom. Please don't go in. I really like you. Yours, Ellie. So the taxi driver walks up into the apartment buildings, locates the one with the cardboard. He comes into the apartment. He's basically walking through, seeing that there's not really any furniture, but clearly somebody's living there. But he also sees the things that Ellie showed Oscar, like the rings, all of that stuff. He enters the bathroom where he sees that they've covered the bathtub with like a fitted sheet. Yes. And he pulls it back, revealing Ellie asleep in the tub, and he's going to kill her when Oscar interrupts him because he's standing right behind him with the knife. Yeah, it's stabus interruptus. And he just, like, <laughs> yells with the knife like he's going to do something. He doesn't, but that's when Ellie jumps up and, like, climbs this dude like a tree and bites him in the neck. Yes. And then Oscar just shuts the door. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to let you guys handle this. Yeah. He throws the knife to the ground and runs into the other room. And at this point, this is probably the one time I would say maybe he feels a little remorse over what happened. But Ellie knocks. Yeah. And comes into the room. Ellie hugs him and says, I've got to go away. And then Ellie kisses him with a mouthful of blood. We get a shot yeah. of the taxi driver's body and it is very dead. And we start yeah. to hear another series of knocks, which is Oscar's mother next door. Because again, one set of keys. So he lets his mom into the apartment and she yells at him and he walks into his bedroom, looks at his toy cars, and then we get a cut of him reading about the murder next door in the papers. Yeah. And he watches as another taxi takes Ellie away. He walks into their apartment next door where the table and the apartment is empty. Yeah, it's like cleaned out. I mean, Ellie moved. He stands at his window looking out of the jungle gym, but it's empty too. And he's clearly been crying. The phone rings, he answers it, and it's one of his classmates asking him if he wants to come to weight training tonight because Mr. Avila asked about it. And the way that they trick him into going is saying, I liked what you did to Connie, he had it coming, essentially. Yeah. And so he decides to go to weight training. He goes to, and it says a bathhouse, but I think it's just a gymnasium, like a locker room. Martin is there. That's the one who called him. And he's the tallest of the three bullies. Yeah. So he starts aqua aerobics with Mr. Avila. And it seems like he's having a good time. Oh, wait, we got to talk about how he swims because I hate it. Oh, oh, how he oh, keeps his mouth open and is almost yes, drowning yes. every time. Yeah, that grossed me out. Hot. He's like Aquamaning water in. I was like, yeah. what? That's there disgusting. is so much urine and or chlorine in that water. That is so gross. Yeah. Maybe that's if the kids are all doing that. Maybe that's what's causing them all to murder people. I don't that's know. That's back when they chemically treated pool water with lead, <laughs> and it really made you <laughs> aggressive. Yeah. So. We cut outside the gymnasium where the bullies are dousing the dumpster in lighter fluid and they start a literal dumpster fire. Yes. Which makes Mr. Avila have to go outside to attend to the dumpster fire. Yeah. Oscar continues with the aquarobics. Martin kind of takes over leading the aquarobics and the bullies come in and clear everyone out of the pool. And I don't know how long Mr. Avila was going to be outside with a dumpster fire, but he's just gone at this point. I think you have to call the fire department with one. 
May- yeah, sure, but like then go back inside and make sure all the kids get out safe. <laughs> like, oh, it's the seventies. Yeah, and also the fire was outside. They're probably safer in the pool than they would be outside. And it's only like really five minutes that this happens. Like he's not really gone that long. Yeah. Because immediately when he leaves, the bullies and the older brother psychopath walk in, and they immediately start the murder of Oscar. Yes, the oldest brother has a switchblade yeah. and basically says, "You have to stay underwater for three minutes, and I'll only nick you. But if you can't, I'll poke an eye out." And then they proceed to hold his head underwater because every kid in this city is a murderer, except for one, the little bully kid sits to the side because he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. So as they're holding him underwater, we see feet getting dragged through the pool. We see a severed head fall in and an arm. And then we see someone pull him up. It's Ellie. And she killed everyone but the small kid who wouldn't participate. We get a cut to snow. And our final scene is Oscar on a train sitting across from a box. And he leans over and taps Morse code onto the top of the box. And And that's that's the the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think? I still think it's really well made. It's just not one of my faves. But there's not because it's not good. It just I just don't personally connect. But I do like it. I enjoyed watching it it's beautifully shot it's a really inventive story um it's a good movie i understand why people really like this movie but i will say it's not my favorite but yeah i do think it's beautifully shot i think it's a very interesting story i just think it's very slow and the pacing is way way too slow to keep me interested in this movie if that makes it's a it's a slow burn for sure yeah I see why people love it. Yeah. But I'm like with you, Paige. It's it's not really for me. I don't see myself watching it again. Yeah, I would say I recognize that it's great. It's not one of those. It's not the thing for me. You know, whenever the thing is playing at a midnight movie, I'm getting tickets. If I see this playing at a midnight movie, I mean, I guess if other people are going, sure. But I'm not going to go out of my way. Sure. All right. So, Paige, you've been teasing some fun facts this whole time. Yeah. And I've got to know about these fun facts. So hit us with those fun facts. Done. So Let the Right One In is actually based on a 2004 novel, which was a bestseller in Sweden and almost immediately began attracting movie producers because, I mean, it was released in 2004. This movie came out in 2008. That's only four years from release to movie. That's pretty, pretty nuts. There's only a handful of movies that have been adapted that quickly. Um, but the director that they got, and he wasn't an initial choice for it, but he ended up taking it because he was gifted the book by a friend, but he read it, really liked it, and expressed interest in adapting it for the screen. Now, he typically had done comedies and plays before this and not horror movies. He was not a horror director. And he also doesn't really like adaptations where he has quoted, he's been (laughs) quoted as saying, I really think you shouldn't do films of good books because the depth of a good book is so much greater than you could possibly do on screen in 90 minutes. Yeah. But this was sort of the exception. But he's absolutely right because a bunch of things had to be cut from the book as this went to screen. Yeah, I'm sure. To basically fit the time And to kind of make the story a little cohesive. In the process, it took them over a year to cast the two lead actors. Wow. I mean, both these kids are really good. 
Yes. But that's a long time. Well, and part of the problem is in Sweden, kid actors are not really a thing. Really? I mean, they, yeah, they exist, but it's not as common, according to this director. Like vampire law, Swedish acting law is you cannot make children actors. I am of the belief that <laughs> child acting is a bit of a problem and it's often not done in a way that does not hurt children, but... You know, that's just me. That's fair. But because it wasn't as common, I think that's just why it took them longer. There just weren't as many choices. But then for his own quote unquote artistic reasons, he decided that the children were never allowed to read the script. Their parents would sign off on the things that occurred in the script, but he would then go to the children when they were filming, describe the scene and then tell them what their lines should be. And so he wanted to focus more on the emotional weight of a moment. So in some cases, their lines are improv by what they would feel in the moment, which is difficult for children. But I think that's why it reads a lot more vulnerable than I think most movies do. Yeah. I think it actually does serve the movie well, if even if it contributes to some of that slowness. Yeah, I think the kids do a good job. I'm surprised they didn't really know, like they hadn't read the script and they hadn't like yeah. done all the character work that you need to do most of the time to get into that sort of headspace. Well, here's something else that they did that's a little strange. So to make Ellie seem more ancient and androgynous, and I'll get to why in just a little bit, the actress and it is an actress playing this part yeah their voice is not used in the film but rather an older actress dubbed all of the dialogue oh, over wow yes now there one of the subplots that was cut from book to movie is a subplot where the familiar or uh, they call them, they call him a blood supplier in the book, was also a pedophile. Oh. So essentially it was a mutually beneficial relationship. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. But for the director, he thought that it was too much thematic baggage into the plot to be handled properly within the runtime. So he just cut it. Which, to be honest, I kind of, I like the version we get in the movie where it almost implies that it's cyclical for this character where Oscar yeah. is the new familiar and then eventually Oscar will die and be replaced in the same way. And they also kind of didn't want there to be a debate about it where they were just like, we don't want to even introduce this as an option. So we're just going to cut it out. But also the character of Ellie in the book was not born a girl, but instead was born a boy who was castrated 200 years earlier as part of their backstory for becoming a vampire. Okay. And that is why we get the one scene with the scarring on the crotch. Yeah. But there is a flashback that showed the castration taking place in greater detail. Oof, okay. Right? And they actually planned to include it and planned to put it in the film with complete realism, which would have potentially impacted the rating of the film. Oh, I'm sure. They had even done makeup tests, gone all the way through. Wow, okay. Yeah, and and they were going to shoot a, a pig being castrated as, as part of it, and they opted not to do it. Why was Ellie castrated? I haven't read the book, but her character... Two hundred years prior was castrated. Was that before that they were a vampire? 
I think so. Because okay. vampire lore is usually however your body is when you are turned. That's how it yeah. stays. And so I suspect they were castrated previously to being turned as a vampire. And that's how it stayed. And that's why I think that character kind of passes in a more feminine way although is very definitive that they're not a girl but i think as far as society views them and how they kind of exist and live day to day they've adopted a feminine persona to be safe which if you are reading this as a trans centered narrative can be very vulnerable and a very interesting way to depict the idea of living in a body that you do not feel like you belong in yeah which i think that's ellie's reality all the time is that you know they are 200 plus years old they have lived a life of multitudes and yet they are 12 they have been 12 for a long time and they're not a girl but they live in this body yeah. And it's maybe not what they chose. You know, it's it's not what they identify as. It's not how they feel. And I think that's why we get Ellie repeatedly talking about I'm not a girl. Yeah. Because I think that's Ellie speaking their truth. But I think in the novel, it seems like it's considerably more complicated. That makes me feel better about the trans sort of narrative that I was picking up on. And I think they do a good job of spelling that out in the movie without actually like showing that Ellie was castrated 200 years ago before they got turned. I kind of missed it. And I think it was just because I was reading it so much vampire that I had kind of divorced it from human experience. Yeah. To a degree, looking back on it now, I think there's a lot of clues Yeah, yeah, yeah. that really indicate that. But I, I think if I were to rewatch it, I think I would have a different viewing experience in viewing their character's journey. But I was very kind of surprised to hear some of the things that were cut out in Fun Facts. But I do think it informs the story quite a bit. It made The few things that I had questions about in the story, I was like, okay, this makes sense now. To the point where there's a part of me that wishes that information was there. But I also think that this is already a pretty dense movie that would have struggled within a, a reasonable runtime to address all of those things and as the director said books are more deep you know there is more depth to a book there's more time to explore it there's more insight into the thoughts and feelings of your characters where i think that kind of a narrative could be done a little bit more justice yeah. uh the director of this movie hates the american one <laughs> i'm assuming he didn't direct the american one then he refused he was like i don't I don't want to adapt this in for American audiences. I think it's fine as is, which to be fair, the film did pretty well in America subtitled as is. It, yeah, it did. It was, yeah. A, it was a lot of buzz. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about box office, but it didn't do poorly. Yeah. And the American version titled Let Me In, uh, which was done by Matt Reeves, who directed Cloverfield. It came out in 2010. So literally only two years after the original. Uh, and they did approach the original director first. And he said, I'm too old to make the same film twice. And I have other stories I want to tell. <laughs> and I think that's a little sad. I wish that American viewers would just see the foreign language version. When I first got asked about the remake, I said, can you not just get everyone to see this one? It's a perfectly good film, you know? And I agree yeah. that I, I feel the same He's way. Not wrong. I, I like watching foreign movies. I think they're great. He's like, I made it perfectly once. Can't we just show them that version? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the end of our fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. So uh, let's talk box office. So what do you think the budget for this movie was? I think this is probably under $5 million. Okay, Mikey, what do you think? 
Okay. All right. It was 29 million Damn. in Sweden Krona. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's the conversion rate? What is the conversion rate? It's on like $4.5 million. So you were okay, almost exactly right. <laughs> Yay. So when it did come out in the U.S., it came out uh, the weekend of October 24th. Uh, and when it came out, it was 47th in the theaters that weekend. Now, it was only in four theaters. So its per theater average was actually pretty high, but it only made like right under $50,000 in its first weekend out. Now, that is domestically. And when we say domestically, even though it is a Swedish film, that really just means U.S. because that's where the numbers get reported. So domestically, it went on to make $2.1 million in the U.S., which is not nothing. That's really good for a foreign film. Yeah, it was playing on campus. Yeah, I mean, at most, it was showing in 53 theaters in the U.S. At yeah. most, it was only in 53 theaters. So that's saying something, and it still made $2.1 million in the U.S. Now, internationally, it did quite a bit better. It made $9.1 million for a total of 11 Point two million dollars. That's a good return on investment. Yeah, I think it did great. And it's done well in the home market as well. Although I don't have the numbers on that, but it's a pretty big horror hit as far as indie horrors go. Like a lot of people know about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it did pretty well. It made money. So, but that's box office. Let's do scary scale. Scary scale is there's a scale of one to ten of how scary we found the film when we watched it for this podcast. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not a scale of quality, just a scale of how scared we were. Paige? I'm going to give it a one. I don't think this movie is very scary. Todd? I'm going to give it a two. There were some moments that I, I felt the tension. There were some creepy moments, but not super scary. Like, if you're a horror virgin, you could probably watch this movie fine, but it's not a one for me. Well, I gave it a one, so. <laughs> <laughs> it is more creepy than scary, though. So, like, it, it really depends on what scares you. I'm as dead inside as a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, the listeners had us watch Let the Right One In. What are you guys making me watch next week? So this is one that I saw, and I really like. This is one of my personal favorite films. It's scary, and it's winter horror, and it's Dark Was the Night. So Dark Was the Night. It looks dope. Very excited. Wait, have you seen it? No, he, he sent me the trailer. I've never seen it. Okay. And I watched that trailer, and I was like, I can't fucking wait to watch this. Yeah, cool. it's good. Yeah, apparently Dark Was the Night it was released in 2014, so if there's another one out there, it's the one that was released in 2014. Your homework for next week is to watch Dark Was the Night. And it looks like Dark Was the Night, the version we're watching, is available to stream on Prime Video and Hulu. So it should be easier yeah. to watch than some of the movies we do. So that's a good yeah. one. So guys, check it out. All right, Mike, do you have a review for us to read? Uh-huh. All right. Well, while you're looking up that review, let me tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast, and that is to leave us a five-star review. And if you want to leave us some text, do a little, uh, like, accent you want Mikey or Paige to read it in, and we will have them read it live on the podcast. So, Mikey, who are we reading this time? I'm going to do, we're going to do uh, one of our uh, Patreon members' review. Oh, Ooh, They just left that. one. Uh, awesome Possum Blossom, a very new patron. I do love saying awesome possum blossom. And that's the thing. I like saying it. They say my face hurts from laughing. <laughs> nice. Is the title of the review. Uh, the horror virgin is a hilarious and insightful podcast. Oh, the tacticular horror virgin. Todd Teticular? watches horror movies with his good friends, Mikey and Paige. Yeah, they break down the movie plots while quipping and riffing. I found this podcast when cult podcast did a crossover for the movie, The Sacrament. Oh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's been my favorite podcast ever since. Aww. Drink this Kool-Aid. You won't regret it. <laughs> 
That is a cult podcast reference. I appreciate the crossover in the uh, the sister pod cult podcast right there. Well, awesome possum blossom. Thanks for checking us out and thanks for loving what we do. And we love you very much as well. And guys, if you want to have your review run on the podcast, like awesome possum blossom, leave us an awesome review so we can read it. So we are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network. And if you would check out their other podcasts at consequenceofsound.net. Uh, or if you want to check out our stuff, we are at horrorvirgin.com. Or if, and if you want to help financially support the show, please do by going to patreon.com slash horrorvirgin, where there's literally hours of bonus audio and video content, listener requests like you were able to participate in to pick what movie we're doing next, all that kind of stuff. So guys, check out the Patreon. And if you can't help financially support the show, but still want your daily free horror virgin content, go to the Facebook group. And it's like 1,500 people hanging out, talking about horror having a good time, supporting each other. It's a great, really welcome community. It's awesome. If you like this power thruple and you want to hear us talk about romantic movies, check out our other podcast, Romancing the Pod. Paige is also on Cult Podcast and Black Card Rehab. And if you want to follow our show on social, we are at Horror Virgin. We are all available individually on socials as well. Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere but Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mm -hmm. Mikey is at MRandolph24, and I am at Todd J. Awesome everywhere. So follow us. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh, yeah? He was a cab driver who once punted a child, but it was completely unrelated. The child was not attacking anyone. Just walk into the street, minding their own business. Nick B pulls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over to run over and kick this child. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I think, I think the child had it coming. European thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be. Well, Nick B, <laughs> I'm sure you have been absolved of all charges and or the statute of limitations have passed, so you're in the clear. This episode was also brought to you by Ori. Ori, Ori is awesome. And they uh, went out for a nice winter walk with their dog. And they let their dog off the leash and it ran up and actually stopped a murder from taking place. And it actually found Ah. a dead body. And uh, yeah, and uh, you could hear Ori just yelling, Ricky, Ricky, come back. And eventually uh, Ori called the police because they found that dead body hanging from a tree on the trail. Yeah, any dog can be a cadaver dog if you have your timing right. (laughs) (laughs) This episode's also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business. And that's not the name of the business, I just like saying it because of the alliteration. But if you have tarantula, spider, scorpion, centipede, millipede, or other apede needs, reach out to Brandon's Bug Cage Company on Facebook. And they will hook you up with, I guess, shipping you bugs. I didn't realize you could ship bugs, but I guess that's a thing. I don't necessarily want to find out, but we are getting a P.O. box. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't mention those two things in the same sentence. But guys, check out Bug Cage Company on Facebook if you would like some bugs and or scorpions. I don't think scorpions are classified as bugs. They're arachnids. <laughs> yeah. This episode also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom. And Awesome Possum Blossom wants us to give you some awesome possum facts. So <laughs> here we go, I guess. Did you know possums are marsupials? Oh, that's a great one, Paige. I don't know if that's true. Let me look that up. No, Paige, not only are you right, they are also the only marsupials found north of Mexico. Interesting. Yes. That's a good one. I like all that. We now return you to another episode of uh, The the Patreonicals. When we last left off, uh, Isaac uh, just killed some astronauts and evil Matthew and uh, space alien Karun were at Cape Canaveral, Florida, hijacking a space shuttle, which in this 
the world of patrioticals is still the primary method of going to space. <laughs> okay. There, there is no Elon Musk in patrionical world. Thank you for the recap. <laughs> so they get into the spaceship. And Karun's like, oh, this is like a child's toy. You have to use your hands or whatever. <laughs> it's like a baby's toy. <laughs> so they strap in and evil Matthew and Isaac are like, this is going to be awesome. And, and but they're like, Karun, can you like get us to other aliens? Like this ship doesn't go like light speed or whatever. And he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. You know, I had all of you with this on the moon fighting people. We just got to get back to the moon. So it'll be fine. We'll just do that. It'll be fine. That actually doesn't make sense. They only have to get to the moon because they've got something on the moon to get them further. Right. And uh, Isaac actually strapped in a couple of uh, people from like astronauts in the other seats and they are going to him and evil Matthew are going to eat them on the way for a late night snack. They, they strapped in astronauts. Well, don't makes you hungry, man. <laughs> what they're going to do though is like ball up their body in a little balls and it's going to be like the Ice cream of the future. Dippin' knots. Got it. <laughs> we got there. There you go. Oh my god. So they they are in space and they're almost to they are going to the moon to meet up with Karoon's evil arena where they, you know, all that alien stuff. That's uh that's happening. Cut back on Earth, Kate and Eddie and Sasha and Tristam are in the giant helicopter, and Kate is flying it with their telekinesis over and they they are like we have no place to go the illuminati are in control everywhere they're always trying to kill us it sucks blah 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 and so um sasha was like look i've analyzed the situation and like maybe we should just go to like a tropical place and like just try to enjoy life like rebuild yeah and so they turn the helicopter which has unlimited fuel for some reason because kate's actually flying it with her telekinesis yeah we know that reason mikey (laughs) (laughs) and um they're like tristam compute because he's a computer asteroid android and uh and we're like what's the best place to go and they they decide to go tristram's like i've calculated that the place with the least amount of zombies the cayman islands we're gonna go to the cayman islands okay there's a lot of normal rich people there yeah sure that's where they stash their money that makes sense yeah it's really nice there i've been there before so but what are the odds they can make it there in that big helicopter never tell me the odds tristan Never tell me the odds. <laughs> Tristan was like, 100% since Kate's flying this with her telekinesis. <laughs> <laughs> Always tell me those odds. Right. And Kate's <laughs> like, well, I think we all could use a break and a tropical drink yeah. and a vacation. Eddie was like, you know what I've never talked to or attempted to talk to? bunch of fish like let's go out there i want to talk to fish <laughs> i thought he could only talk to mammals are we now expanding that well he doesn't he's trying to but like he can he can't so like I mean, we're not gonna tell him yet it's hard to speak fish right like it's a yeah. different it's a different language not even just a different dialect yeah so anyway yada 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 they land in cayman islands and uh it's gorgeous and, it, and they're like okay <laughs> we'll just try to hide from the illuminati and do our best. But um, Chip and Dale want them dead because they've just screwed up so many plans. So they're actually looking for them in that giant helicopter because Shangri-La was the trap. So next week, Chip and Dale will hunt them. But this week, they're on a beach. Everyone's enjoying a nice respite. The Until next week. Right. <laughs> Are the Dippin' Knots dairy-free? Will Karoon's gang make it to the moon? Was this episode of the Patriarchal sponsored by the tourism board of the Cayman Islands? Find out <laughs> next week on another episode of The, the Patriarchals. This episode finally brought to you by Chris. And Chris wants you all to know that you are loved, you are listened to, and you are a valued member of this awesome horror virgin community. 
And guys, if you want to hang out with all of us and Chris, who is a big member of the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror version, Todd, guys. Keep it ooky spooky. Have an amazing week. Laters. Oh, shit. That's the wrong. Um, <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was last night. My bad. Consequence Podcast Network.